today we are going to be back in our Love Came Down series. Um, obviously, Greg is not here, but we, he's been doing the first two, uh, had done the first two services on this. And so this will be the third. We're going through this devotional uh, by Sinclair Ferguson uh, through the uh, chapter, uh, chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians. Um, it's actually been a really good um, study. And I encourage you, if you haven't yet um, had, had a chance to get the devotional or start it, it's not too late to get started because these are daily devotionals. And um, I think Greg sent out uh, the, um, I actually have it printed out and, and cut out as my bookmark, but uh, he sent out the reading list that were the reading guide that we're going to be using for each uh, Sunday. So um, each Sunday we will uh, pick a uh, topic and use that as our uh, topic for the sermon. Um, and so today uh, we're actually going to get into, the title of the message today is Love is Humble. You'll notice, though, that in 1 Corinthians 13, the word humble doesn't actually come out. We're going to talk about um, what actually is in there. So please uh, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians if you have it with you or your, your Bible app or whatever you have with you. And let's stand. I want to ask you to stand and, and read this passage along with me. We've read it twice already uh, in the past two weeks, and I want to do that again. It's just a good uh, opportunity for us to memorize scripture, reading it aloud and doing that. Uh, and so uh, let's, uh, let's read here. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. Thank you. You may have a seat. So the portion of this passage that I want to focus on today, that we're going to, that we're going to focus on, is, this, is the last phrase in that uh, in those four verses. Love is not arrogant. Love is not arrogant. That's the point. That, that's the area that we're going to focus on today. Now, many times you hear in the news or, or just even in your day-to-day experiences, you hear about, oh, that person is so arrogant or, or that's, that's arrogance. What I want to do is I actually want to, I want to level this out here, level the playing field, and actually pull up the dictionary and get at to what does the dictionary say uh, what, what is the definition of arrogant? Uh, what does it mean? And you're going to find that the actual, the dictionaries that I'm, that I'm, the references that I'm going to use actually are very much in line with what Paul is tr- describing here when he's bringing up arrogance and that love is not arrogant. So uh, arrogant is defined by the following. Merriam-Webster Dictionary brings it up as this, and I'll, there's two definitions here. The first is exaggerating or disposed to exaggerate one's own worth or importance, often by an overbearing manner. The second is showing an offensive attitude of superiority, proceeding from or characterized by arrogance. And then the Oxford English Dictionary actually says, having or, I'm sorry, having or revealing an exaggerated sense of one's own importance or abilities. And then the way that Paul describes it, and the, way that, the words that he uses is, in the Bible is literally puffed up. You are, you're just, you are full of yourself <laughs> and you are puffed up in that, in that mindset and expressing this uh, superiority over others. 
And uh, so really, the importance of this subject is that arrogance, it, it just it stems from pride. That's what we're seeing here revealed in these definitions, is it stems from pride. And an un... Uh, an incorrect view of who you are and what and what you what you are. Uh, pride ultimately prevents us from coming to Christ for salvation. Pride can also hinder us from being effective and useful for the Lord's work. And before we get into uh, some more scripture here and getting into what Paul, why Paul is bringing up the word arrogance here in this in this uh, passage of this love chapter here in chap, uh, chapter thirteen. I want to talk about what God considers arrogance or how God views arrogance in this word arrogant. God considers arrogance as an abomination. Think about that. For God to think of something as an abomination, as detestable. He hates it. Okay. Uh, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19 says, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. And the first on this list of things is haughty eyes. Now that's in a reference to arrogance, to viewing yourself as more superior than others for whatever reason. The next is, I'm sorry, the next uh, verse that I'm going to bring up here is Proverbs 16.5. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. So we just get that we get the view there of what God, how God thinks of arrogance. What's his what's his perspective there? Now, uh, in the dictionary, I like to look at the thesaurus to see what the synonyms are and, and even what the antonyms are, what the, the opposite words of uh, of arrogance. And in this case, I, I actually found this interesting. The first word that came up in the, in the thesaurus for an antonym to arrogance was humble or humility. So the opposite of being arrogant is being humble. And so if Paul would have written positively here, if he would have, if he would have uh, written it in a, in differently in a positive light, he would have said that love is humble. Hence the point of the title of today's message. He would have said love is humble. But he didn't. He specifically said love is not arrogant. And I think that's interesting. Because again, he could have, he could have focused on the positive. But in this case, he decided to focus on the negative and there's a reason for that. Why does Paul focus on the negative here, on, this, uh, on the fact that love is not arrogant? Well, uh, remember, chapter 13, we're, we're diving into a book that is, uh, has a whole lot going on. Paul is writing to the Corinthians, um, calling them out on sin that they're, that they're dealing with. And one of the areas that he repeatedly goes over and over again is this mindset and this idea of arrogance. Uh, and it's a, it's the they had an incorrect attitude of themselves, an incorrect view of themselves, and they were they were in serious error. The other piece is they didn't have a proper view of their giftedness, the way that they the gifts that they had been given. Um, they viewed certain gifts as more superior to others. That's just the, that was the Corinthian mindset. Uh, for instance. Um, they viewed, uh, pro- they probably viewed uh, speaking roles like a pastor or an elder as more superior than uh, another role in the church at that time. Be- and at the time, uh, the, the Corinthians very much valued knowledge, education, and the ability to speak and to speak well and fluently and, and all these things. And so they, they had a, an improper view of 
for their giftedness, and we're going to get into that a little bit here. Um, well, actually, we're going to do it right now. So we're going to get into, uh, let's turn back to chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I just want to give you some context for why Paul might be uh, pulling this thread here in uh, using the term love is not arrogant. Okay, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, starting with verse 6, this is what he says. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If you then received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? In other words, you know you've been given gifts, right? The Holy Spirit is the one who gives the gifts. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where he outlines that even further. And, he, and the Holy Spirit gives gifts based on his choosing. It's not based on your abilities. He's given you the abilities. That's what Paul's saying here. So, so why do you boast in something as if it's inherent in you when in reality it's not? It's something that you have been given. How can you boast about that? And, bringing, and, and, and boasting about it as to make yourself look better, to look more superior, rather than boasting in the Lord about it and being excited about it in that way. So uh, that's just one of the areas that they're dealing with uh, arrogance, is this idea of being superior because of certain gifts that they have. There are other areas of arrogance that they're dealing with as well, and really it kind of stems around this idea of um, an incorrect view of grace, an incorrect view of how grace really covers sin. Um, The Corinthians were actually overlooking some sin that was going on in their church. In chapter 5, we see Paul calls out uh, a, specific, a specific man that is uh, having an affair with his dad's wife. It was probably his stepmom. Okay? And the Corinthians were letting this happen. They knew it was going on. Paul, Paul knows that they knew it was going on, and, and they let it happen. They weren't mourning over it. And ca- Paul called that arrogance because they, were, they had an incorrect view of grace. In, in fact, the way they perceived it was, based on the, the context in chapter 5, is their knowledge and their logic of how grace works and how, how what sin is and things like that is, um, well, uh, we can work it out to where that, that's not really that big of an issue. It's not a big deal. It's not going to hurt anything. Uh, God's grace covers all, which they're not wrong. God's grace does cover all, but it's the attitude behind that and understanding that when that there is sin, there's sin, and it needs to be dealt with. And they weren't, and so Paul called that arrogance. And then the other place was uh, dealing with, uh, one of the areas that they were dealing with was um, eating food that was sacrificed to idols. Um, and these Corinthians, these elitist Corinthians, these guys, the guys that Paul is specifically calling out here as arrogant, they were okay with eating the food that had been sacrificed to the idols, that, had, uh, that was sold in the marketplace after being sacrificed to the, to the pagan idols, uh, because to them, and they weren't wrong in thinking this. To them, the idols are nothing. There's really, it's not, they're not sacrificing them to a real other God other than God because there is no such thing as a God other than God. And so, uh, so this meat, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing different about it. It's not bad. Uh, I'm, it's okay to eat it. And they weren't wrong in thinking that. But what they were doing was they were being overbearing on other believers who had just come out of that pagan lifestyle, who didn't quite 
weren't, we're still learning about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a believer. And instead of nurturing them and understanding and the knowledge of Jesus, they were overbearing on them and saying, well, why can't you eat that meat? There's nothing wrong with that. When in reality, they were struggling with, oh, it's been sacrificed. They needed to nurture them, and they weren't doing that. It wasn't loving. It was arrogant. And so that's the, that's the idea here. Paul is dealing with this as he's getting into what is love. Okay, so that's the, the context there. Now I want to focus in on, okay, well, why are we studying? We're studying 1 Corinthians 13 this time of year, specifically focusing on the person of Jesus and his coming. Okay, that's we're going through this devotional, this Advent series, Love Came Down at Christmas, the birth of Christ. And so I want to focus in on the example, the perfect example of humility, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is who we should be looking to to understand, okay, well, what does humility look like? What does it mean to, what does it look like to not be arrogant? And the first and easiest way to look at this is how he came into the world. How Jesus came into the world. The very reason why we celebrate Christmas was his, is his birth. So let's just step back and, and think about how he came in, how, he, how Jesus came into the world. He didn't come in with trumpets blaring and lightning going and everything. It was not a visible, a very visible scene, right? He chose, think about this, God, right? The creator of the universe who created us, who created all things, sitting in perfection, sitting on his throne in heaven, decided to come in through an itty-bitty womb. A baby, a being that is completely helpless, completely helpless. He came in as a man and expecting nothing other than to be nurtured. Think about that. Mary got to nurture Jesus, God, okay? And he was born through a woman, a sinner, Okay, Mary was just like one of us. Yes, she was chosen specifically for the task, but she was still a sinner. And he was born and placed in a manger. Now, we, I think sometimes we glorify the manger and the idea behind it. It was literally the trough where cows and pigs and sheep ate out of. It was where they ate. It was where their food had been. And they probably cleaned it up a little bit, but still the idea is there. He was placed in the lowliest of places. The Jews would have considered that filthy. And he, but he was there. That's where that's the only place that they had left. The rest of the world didn't understand that the king was here. And I say that, I, I know that we know that story. That's, 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 sometimes that's commonplace. But I say that to bring out some emotion with you to understand that God didn't have to enter the world that way. He didn't have to come as a baby. He could have come in, and he would have been perfectly right in doing so, coming in and saying, here I am. And having lightning going, and and the whole world would see him, and someday that will happen. Don't miss me on that. Someday that will happen. But he could have done that, and he chose not to. He also chose to enter into a family that was poor. The father, uh, Joseph, was a carpenter. Probably didn't make much in that time. 
And who were the ones that were, uh, that, that, was, uh, that, that, that the birth announcement was made to? The first one. Who were the first people that had the birth announcement of Jesus coming of the king? The shepherds, right? At that time, the shepherds were even lower than carpenters, right? They were in the fields with the, with the, shepherd, with the sheep. They were, they were considered filthy as well from a Jewish perspective. And they were the ones that, were, that was given the announcement first. Talk about humble, okay? We have the perfect example of humility through the Lord Jesus Christ and really God. Because who is Jesus? He's God. <laughs> he chose to come in. I mean, I, okay, I, I've, I've labored on that long enough. That, it is, I just want to help that resonate. Because I think sometimes we just take it for granted. We, we just take, sometimes I think we just take it for granted. So, um, and now Paul actually really helps us lay this out here. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Paul's talking about Jesus here, and he says uh, in chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. God, though he was rich, became poor for our sake. He came to the world to die. He came to the world to go to the cross. And we see that in Philippians chapter 2. So I want you to turn there. If you do have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 2 because we're going we're gonna to start here and then end here um, when I get to the last point here. Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 3. Paul's writing to the Philippians here. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Though, who though, meaning Jesus, he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Did you get that? He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. If anything should have been lorded over people and lorded over anyone, it was the fact that he's God. And he did not consider that something to be grasped at that time. Now, that is something we should grasp. We should recognize and know that Jesus is God. But the way he conducted himself in this world with his disciples, he was just one of the guys. He was one of the guys. And over time, as they saw what he did and how he loved others, they recognized this guy is not just a man. This is God. Okay? I just love that, though. He did, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Talk about humility and not arrogance. That's God we're talking about there. That's God. Okay, just want to make sure that we're tracking that. All right, and then let's look at uh, what, so we know 
who the perfect example of humility is, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we are not going to be Jesus. <laughs> He's perfect. He's God. But we are given uh, a way, we are shown how to grow in Christ-like love expressed by uh, humility. So how do we live humbly? How do we live in humility to express, to show this Christ-like love that, we're, that Paul is talking about here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13? So I'm going to turn here. I'm not going to ask you to. Uh, I'm going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. You guys, you can write it down for taking a look at it later. I want you to keep your fingers in uh, Philippians chapter 2. So 1 Peter chapter 5. This is Peter talking to uh, specifically. Um, he's talking to believers and he's talking to the elders too. But he's saying here, likewise, you who are younger. This is, I'm sorry, this is chapter 5 starting with verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know, here is where we get the, uh, here's, here's the, the task here for us on how to be humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. So how do we, how do we, how are we humble? How, are we, how do we express humility? Recognizing who we are and where we are in relationship with God. That's what, that's what Peter is saying here. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Understanding that you are submiss- submitted to him. Being in submission to God in all things. And recognizing that everything we have, everything we have comes from God. Everything. And that goes back to that piece with the, where the Corinthians were struggling with, the, with uh, recognizing um, gifts, their giftedness, and, and whether one was superior over the other. They didn't quite fully grasp. The gifts were given to them by God. They hadn't submitted and understood that. Our gifts and our talents are from God. And so we should use them and boast about them in a way that will be glorifying to God. Additionally, as, you see, as we see in this passage in First Peter here, our humility is tested and refined by our relationships. The context here in First Peter 5, 6 is actually referring to um, the elders and the command for the elders to humble themselves uh, between one another, being subject to one another. Back in First Peter 5, 5, and even starting with verse 1 there. So the mindset there is our, our, our humility is, is tested and refined by our relationships. It's how we interact with people on a, on a daily basis. Um, one way to just, uh, just to give an example for that is, uh, and it's easy for me because this is who I am. I'm a, uh, uh, I'm a man. <laughs> And I am uh, a father and a husband. And God has called men to be, or, and, and Paul expresses this, calls men to be leaders in the home. They are the heads of the household. But it is not something that should be lorded over anyone. Or to be superior. That doesn't mean that I'm superior. I'm the head of the household. And what does he say? Like Christ is the head of the church. Well, what did Christ do for the church? He died for them. He did everything. 
if we take it to the logical conclusion, Jesus is God. He has done everything. I did not choose to be a man. I'm happy to be a man, right? But that was something that God chose. That is a gift that was given to me by God. My manness is not something that I came up with on my own, right? That, it's a silly example, but it's, it's an, it's a, it, it helps make the point, I think. And so it's not, I should not be lording it over my family and saying, that oh, I'm the head of the household. I need to recognize that Christ was the, is the head of the church, and Christ did everything for the church. So it's my responsibility to do everything for my family. Peter doesn't stop there with humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He goes on and says, so that at the proper time, he, being God, may exalt you. Think about that. That God would exalt you. The humble will be exalted at the proper time. Now, this isn't necessarily our motivation. This is not, this is not the reason why we should be humble. But it's a truth and a promise that we should recognize. Because for a time, we are to consider, uh, to consider others more significant than ourselves. Right? And the way that God looks at this, I just want to give you a mind, the mindset of God here on this, on this subject of humility and the fact that the humble will be exalted. In Isaiah 66, verse 2, God says, But this is the one to whom I will look. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. I don't know about you, but I want to be one that God looks at and says, this is the one to whom I am looking at, to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word, trembles at the word of God. Now, I asked you to hold your place in Philippians chapter 2. And we read through verses 3 through 8. I want to finish that thought there, because I didn't finish it here, that Paul says here uh, in Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 9. Speaking of Jesus here. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, being Jesus. God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus was exalted in his death and his resurrection. Okay? Jesus was humble. He showed us perfect humility, and he was exalted. We have the promise fulfilled in Jesus. And it will be fulfilled in each of us at the proper time. I just think that's so reassuring. To For a time, we should be living with humility, living under the hand of God, under his submission, for the benefit of others. That's really what it is. That's what it comes down to. Now, uh, I don't want you to go away with this thinking, uh, okay, this is, this is something I struggle with. This is something that, because it is. Every, I think every person 
struggles with this concept of humility. That's why it's one of the first things that's mentioned in this love chapter is not to be arrogant. Because it's so easy to look upon someone and go, oh, I'm better than that person. I have that temptation. You probably wouldn't say it specifically or say it out loud. But you might have the thought of, oh, he's sitting on the street. I don't, I don't want to mess with that person. Uh, or things like that. It's a temptation to fall into. So what I'm saying is we should not think of it as, as humility being, oh, I'm a horrible person. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. Look at me. What did, you, what did I just say? Look at me. Right? Humility is not about me. Humility is recognizing that we are nothing without Christ. But we are everything because of him. Because of him. Not because of me. Not because of you, but because of him. And if we're struggling with humility, because I'm sure we all do, struggling with this arrogance in our lives, forgiveness is available. Right? Forgiveness is available through Jesus. That's why he came. That's why he was, that's why he was born and entered this world. He came to die. Not only did he Not only was he born in a manger, in one of the lowliest places ever, he died the most horrible execution that the Romans could think of on a cross. Talk about humility. So, as we think of Christmas and as we think of love, we need to recognize that it is Really what Paul is saying here is it is humble. Living with that humility and recognizing that Jesus is our example for that. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I just I, I thank you the, for, for choosing to use our language to reveal yourself to us. You didn't consider you didn't you didn't consider your being something that uh, that we weren't going to be able to understand. You gave us your word. You, you uh, chose to reveal yourself to us. And I just thank you so much for that. It, that to me is just showing us your love. Thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity to, to learn about you and to understand more about you uh, in this way. And Father, we recognize and understand what love is just by looking at who you are uh, through Jesus. Um, Lord, I also just want to lift up all of uh, those who are are uh, both with us today and not with us today, watching online. Father, I, just, I, pray, I pray for endurance and strength. Uh, this has been, a, 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 it's just been a, it's a tough time right now we're dealing with, and there's a lot going on, and I just pray for endurance and strength. And uh, we have fr- uh, members of the congregation who are dealing with sickness and with illness. Their families are dealing with illness, and we're also... Many of us are dealing with, with grief or loss, uh, loss of a loved one. Father, just, just surround us with your love, that we would um, just be comforted by you. Um, Lord, I just pray that for each one who's here. Father, I, I ask for a special blessing on those who are, uh, who are nurses in the medical field or dealing with the, in the front lines. I just pray for just strength. Uh, give them strength. This, we are just embolden them. And, and give them uh, give them the grace that they need to, to continue on. And I just thank you so much for them and what they're doing for all of us. And Lord, we know you're in control. We thank you for that. And we just look to you uh, for your guidance and your wisdom. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.